0: Podcast with Dan and Scott, how does God podcast whether you like it or not? Fresh from back in the day when they a play at the park. Seven pm on special where they played after dark. From the burden to the focus to the losses in the wind. Welcome podcast, patrons to the show. Leave the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. How does God podcast in the swing ain't lying? Leave the pin. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Joined by my co-host, Scott. Big shout out to the homie, Mr. Tiger Hoods, for wrapping us into this next episode. Scott, what's the good word?
1: What is the good word? Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I got a lot of good words. Unfortunately, I'm $3 lighter because you took some money from
0: me. I did take some money. I realize I forgot to collect, but it's not really the point, right? The point is just knowing that I beat you. And yeah, you
1: may because- have forgotten to collect, but it it is sitting in my golf bag for you uh for the next time we play. It's
0: collecting interest right now okay um, you and I have not seen each other face to face anyway in in what eight and a half, nine months
1: Something like that.
0: Right, since basically right before the start of quarantine and everything shutting down, and it was pretty awesome. You and I kind of always look for spots to play halfway, me being in PA, you being in New York, so Northern Jersey kind of makes sense. And we ventured yet again out to Crystal Springs Resort uh, with my son in tow, and we played for the first time ever the Minerals course, nine-hole golf course there. Uh, Relatively short, I think it's something like 28, 2900 yards or maybe 3,000 from the tips, 27, 2800 from the whites. We played one round from the whites, one round from the blues. Um, A mix of short par threes, long par threes, uh, short par fours, longish par fours, some par fives. You and I decided, as DSGA rules would imply, that's the Dan Scott Golf Association, for those not know. That we would be able to change up some of the pars, so we made a long par three a par four, et cetera, et cetera right yeah, good it, it, it's out, you got a moving company there or something
1: no, I' moved my chair, which is, for some reason has a lot of a lot of squeak working
0: yeah, it needs a it needs like a can of swing oil on it.
1: Uh, actually, whatever I just did, I think maybe popped it back into place because now it's not making that noise. So
0: you're like, you're like a chair chiropractor.
1: Uh, you know what? Maybe I am. Um, I got a little the physio van working for chairs. So um, uh,
0: what, what did you what did you think of the minerals course?
1: I liked it. I mean, it was fun. I haven't played since I it's since COVID started. So uh, for me getting back out there at a course where I wasn't going to have to hit the ball a mile was pretty good. I i actually surprised with how well I played all things considered.
0: Okay. I'm going to uh, go on record and just say that on the way home, Lyon and I were talking and I said, wow, like uncle Scott really played well. And he said, yeah. And he says, is he getting out much to play lately? Like us. And I said, no, like he literally hasn't played in like eight months.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's. I have a I have the kind of game where it's not that great to begin with. So a lot of times, just that getting out, you know, after you haven't played, those bad habits that you tend to develop throughout the course of a golf season, um, they kind of go away, and you just kind of revert back to muscle memory. You don't have any swing thoughts. You don't have the oh, you know, on this hole two days ago, I did this. So you're just going out and, and playing golf the way you kind of you know know how to play without having those things in the back of your mind, and sometimes you know those those early rounds early in the season or late in the season when you haven't played at all tend to work out pretty well for that reason, so uh, maybe that's what was going on, or maybe it's just gotten to the point where you know i I can know that I don't need to do too much and just go out there and make golf swings and hit the ball and. Hopefully, you know, it, it doesn't get too out of control.
0: I think there's a few things there. I think, first off, you are the epitome of just knowing your game. Right? They, both mm-hmm. of us. I mean, you know, I, I know my swing. I don't try to be anyone I'm not. You know your game. You don't try to play anyone else's game no matter what's going on around you. So I always love that. I mean, you could be playing with bombers or dinkers off the tee, and, like, I know Scott's going to play his own game. There's There's so many idioms out there. In golf, um, what I'm going to talk about later when they were playing over at Wentworth, the announcers go back to that stupid old analogy of, well, this guy grew up in Scotland. He must enjoy playing in the rain. Mm. We'll talk about that. But you hear stuff like that. But it's funny because as of late, especially with late season golf here in the Northeast, we're starting to get into that weird weather time when there's only about three good hours in the day that the temperature is really ideal for golfing. But you always hear that. Well, I haven't played in three, four weeks. Or I haven't played in, you know, nine, ten days. And I don't have any of those bad swing thoughts or any of those habits at all anymore. I, I You know, I, after hearing you say that, Scott, I think there's something to that. Like, I think that's real and it's not just BS small talk that people make at the driving range.
1: Again, I, I think it, it goes, you you revert back to that muscle memory. And you know what the things that you've been taught and the the last sort of the last comfortable swing and that tends to be the swing that is the most successful for you. It's when you start getting all these thoughts in your head and when you start, like I said, when you start thinking about, oh well, on on this hole yesterday, I I hit a five iron from the same place. I'm gonna hit the same same club and I'm gonna have to put the same exact swing on it. No, you're not, because um, you're not gonna, you know, you're not going to. So it's when you kind of have those thoughts in the back of your head, it sort of creeps into the middle of your backswing. And uh, a lot of times it doesn't work out the way you hoped. So I'll, and I'll go Every away.
0: day, every day that you're on the course is a different feel as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you could play 10 days in a row and seven of those days, you might have the same feel, but there's going to be two or three days where the club just doesn't feel right. A hole just doesn't set up for you. Um, but you know, To be completely contradictory to the statement I just made before, I feel like there are times as well, like if I'm playing seven, eight, nine days in a row or or three, four times a week for a month, that's when my game really rounds into shape as far as setting high expectations and meeting those high expectations. But I feel like in times like this, especially early spring when it's wet in the Northeast, late fall when it's wet in the Northeast and, and distance isn't there, I'm okay with the game i bring to the course because i don't have those expectations so i'm wondering if it's if it's more um being tepid in my expectations when i'm out there like i'm not going out there today in this weather you know the last few weeks that we've had and expecting to shoot anywhere near even par or even a few over you know i'm happy to break 80 or 81 but in the summer if i go out and i've been playing a few times and i don't break 80 like i'm disappointed you know
1: you know the uh, there's something to what you just said there as well, because that, that sort of expectations for oneself, you know, that's, I you know, I went out there last weekend and I really didn't expect to play all that well because, again, I hadn't really swung a golf club, you know, much more than, you know, kind of in the yard, um, again, for months. So I, I had no expectations. I, I didn't think I was going to play well. And part of that is, you know, me going into it, just saying, okay, just put a good swing on it here, just put a good swing on it here. Um, you know, just, just get it to the fairway, just get it to the green, don't worry about, you know, shooting at flags. Um so, you know, there's that. I mean um you, you definitely bring up a good point about the course being wet though, because I think for the first nine holes at least, uh it was very wet. And then the the back nine for us was very dry, I
0: thought. Yeah, so let's let's get into the course a little bit. It's uh, like I said, nine hole course maxes out at like thirty one hundred yards. But what's really interesting is it had a lot of different shots. I mean, there was some really great shot value. And I know that word gets thrown around. What does it mean? And to me, shot value is how many clubs am I using? Am I always hitting a stock nine iron, or do I have to take a little bit off because it's downhill, or add a little bit because it's uphill, and it was a lot of variety. It was a good price. It's twenty bucks to walk for nine holes, you know. So it cost us forty for the eighteen. One of the cool things, which we didn't take but we saw out there, is they actually do family carts, and it's a four-seater cart that also holds golf bags. It's it's like a mini Mack truck basically that you're driving around.
1: It's the like the stretch limo of golf
0: carts. It's really enormous, and there's some tight turns there, and I don't know how people maneuver it because it is again northern new jersey so it's a mountain course um but it was pretty neat we walked it was a a great walk it wasn't difficult the guy at the pro shop said hey the the walk between one and two is is pretty far man but everything else is okay right by that he meant it was literally like a minute walk maybe i i think
1: maybe for him that was a, a tough walk Sure. People I, I don't think it was far. Drinking. It was uphill. Yeah. I mean, that that's probably the worst part about it.
0: Yeah, and, and let's be honest, Crystal Springs is a resort, so most of the time that you're playing at a resort course, you're not walking, you're not dealing with people that are walking, you're dealing with people that are riding the cars, you're just looking to have fun, and honestly, mm-hmm. maybe some of them aren't even golfers, and we encountered some of those people on the back nine.
1: Oh, definitely. I, I will say this, and and I I'll throw... A, a real big shout out to Crystal Springs. Uh, they, uh, f- we haven't played two of the, the five 18 hole courses, but I, I think those are two of the, the like tougher, like more well-designed courses maybe. Um, but from what I can tell, somebody put a lot of thought into that place. Cause it, I feel like it has something for everyone and the one thing I will, I will say about this course and him saying that walk from one to two, you know, it might be a little bit of a walk. They probably do get some non-golfers there um, who are just kind of like, oh, well, you know, we can go out in this place and have some fun and not, you know, it's not a serious round of golf. And you, maybe you get like three golfers who bring their one buddy who's not a golfer. Um, so that, that may be why, in his mind, it's a far walk
0: one of the things i liked and and kind of give them a little bit of credit too is this this is their course that is for i want to say the non-traditional golfer and what i mean by that is you can be a guy that goes to the driving range doesn't really play and come out to this course and still have fun um bigger greens, it with a lot of slope, a lot of undulation, but they were playing slower because they had been punched, and if you know anything about Northeast Golf, for our listeners outside of this general area, um, it's aeration time. So they probably had been punched about two weeks before. You get a morning dew out here um, where literally, I felt like we were taking full shoulder turns on that first nine to get the ball to the hole. But, they had five sets of tees and junior tees that literally sat maybe 30 to 60 yard range back from the greens in areas that kids could even, and even new golfers, not just kids, but that you could run the ball right up the mouth of the green. And most greens were very open. Most greens did not necessitate a high ball flight, you know, landing soft type thing. You could bump and run a lot up front. So in that aspect, you're right. I feel like throughout the resort with all the courses, they have catered to, Every level of golfer. Yeah, that's fair. Um, our golf was was pretty decent. You mentioned I won the front, the back, and the overall. We did a little skins challenge. Um, we were outdriven on a bunch of holes by a 13-year-old child. Uh,
1: uh, I would say on almost every hole I could have been outdriven, I was.
0: Um, he, uh, he didn't score too well but uh loves to smash the ball and you can't teach speed when you get older so it's a great thing to see. Um a few highlights we 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 stopped at the turn because obviously it's only 9 holes. We sat around, had some lunch and go back out again and they uh w- well first off one of the things got there were a lot of non golfers just wandering the course.
1: Oh you mean like the guy who decided to cross in front of the fairway right before we teed off on our temple?
0: Not only that, but the guy walking the dog that proceeded to lecture us on the slow people in front of us as if we didn't mm. know. The, the yes. lady doing tricep dips on a rock.
1: I <laughs> forgot about that, lady. The, the mean, guy with the dog, I remember.
0: It was, uh, I, I guess, it's a mix of um, vacationers, and people that live in the townhomes around the course. The course is very encroaching. So if, if you like your golf without houses, this place will feel very claustrophobic. And there are a lot of opportunities to hit the townhomes. Um, in one instance, I almost did on mm. one of the holes, taking a very aggressive line. But we're, we're about to tee off on our 10th hole, and I, I tee off. I don't see a group in the fairway. I tee off, I hit the fairway, and all of a sudden, a group pops out of the woods. Okay, my bad. We let them continue on. They were very slow. This plays mm. into a story later on. In There's all fairness, guy, they,
1: were, they were downhill, and there was probably no chance you would have seen them where they were.
0: Right, and, and the guy in the pro shop had said to me, hey, two people are already teed off. They're probably on the green. I saw two people on the green. The hole is 370 yards long. I'm not going to hit it that far. Um, so I teed off and literally landed where they came out of the woods. But no harm, no foul. An older gentleman, very nice guy, starts walking up the cart path. My son's about to tee off, and he says, oh, let me just get ahead of you a little bit. Okay, so we wait, and this guy does this weird little shuffle jog and disappears off into the woods, figuring he went off into one of those townhouses. I tell my son to hit the ball. He pulls it a little bit left. Um, Am I exaggerating, saying missing this guy by maybe 10 feet as he reemerges from the woods out of nowhere? accurate the ball lands and god knows what up there um the guy doesn't even move doesn't even show us that the ball came close or he even knew the ball came close but he must have seen it because he goes into the bush picks the ball up and we think hey awesome he's going to throw back in the fairway thanks so much we're waving to him there is an enormous probably two-ton boulder off to the side of the woods and it slanted and kind of cantilevered off mm-hmm. to the side. The guy is trying to balance this ball up on the rock, which seemed for like two to three minutes. He wanted us to see the ball yes. up on the rock, so it was easy for us, right, to to notify that it was ours.
1: Yes. So uh, I'll. So here's the deal. There's a, a cart path that runs down the left-hand side of that hole. Uh, the ball hit the path, and like you said, maybe 10 feet in front of where he was doing the weird shuffle jog. Um, My guess is, to be honest with you, the ball was probably playable if he was able to locate it that easily. Uh, Because there wasn't really a whole lot of trouble over there.
0: No, and he walked right up on it and picked it up.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, it works out fine. But um, just very odd that he felt the need to put it on the rock. I mean... The rock was huge. If he would have put it anywhere near the rock, we would have been fine.
0: Amazingly, he got to stay up on the rock.
1: It stayed up there for a while.
0: So my son walks up and is like, I don't have to play it where it lies. <laughs> Do I? No, he just, whatever. It, it was that that type of round, kind of uh, whatever. But a lot of lot of people meandering around. We got up to um, a hole that we had made a drivable par four it was a 200 and what 236 yards yeah yeah,
1: 236
0: yard par three so we just tipped it out all the way to the back and said we're going to play it as a drivable par four um and that's when our round kind of hit a brick wall we uh came upon a fivesome who on t boxes were taking pictures um shanking balls into opposite groups literally 90 degrees away from them it was it was pretty amazing the horrid level of golf that they were showcasing
1: yeah i I don't mind if people want to go out as a five-some but once you start holding people up that's when you got to maybe break it up a little bit um and these people Uh, they paid no mind to the fact that there might have been other people on the golf course um, because they just continued to play as slow as they could.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It started off with us three, who were walkers, by the way. These people had two carts. So it started with us being held up for about three, four minutes on every tee box. And it got to the point at one point where we were on the tee box for six, seven minutes. The group behind us was on our tee box. There was a group on the green, a group in the fairway, and a group on the tee behind them. So they were essentially holding up five groups. Five groups were in the one hole behind them. Um, at one point on the second-to-last hole, I had my son just hit. I mm-hmm. hit. And, I mean, it was just no, no clue in terms of uh, respect, no clue in terms of how to maneuver around a course. You know, the type of people where five people have to drive to one ball. Then five people drive to the other ball. Then three people drive to one ball and it gets hit 20 yards. And then we got to change clubs. I mean, you know, four or five practice swings in the fairway. It was, it, 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 got, it was awful, Scott. We played our first round in an hour and 40 minutes walking up and down mountains in northern mm-hmm. New Jersey. And the second round took us two hours and 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy for nine holes, even walking. Um, It's and again, it's nine holes, a short nine holes, not even, you know, like a thirty five hundred yard nine holes. Right. So, I mean, come on, people just keep keep playing, play a little bit quicker.
0: Yeah, so for those of you that are out there that are just, you know, moving in slow motion, uh, I mean, you, you know, you you can you can do it. Like you can take time over the ball and you can take time in your practice routine if you're good. You know, like if you're only taking seventy strokes or seventy-eight strokes in a round, like okay, that's fine. But if you're taking a hundred and thirty or a hundred and forty and you're losing fifteen balls around I mean, at some point, you've got to cut the practice swings. You've got to be cognizant of what's going on behind you. And, and it's too big of a problem. I mean, we complain about it all the time, and everybody does. But it's really too big of a problem in this game to have he, no idea what, how your play is impacting other people.
1: Here's the ironic thing. This particular course is geared for that golfer they did not need to play from the tee boxes they were playing from. They were playing from two different sets of tee boxes because they were playing from the whites and from the reds because there was a, you know, it was a, a five. sims, was a different a couple different groups of players in there. So they were playing from the whites and the reds. Hey, how about everyone just plays from the reds? Also, this course had um, the, the, whatever it is, the eight inch holes uh, on the green. You know what? If it gets to the point where you're struggling that much, just play to those flags. And th- again, this course had it there for them. This was designed for that golfer. And what they chose to do was make it difficult and play slow and hold everyone else up.
0: Well, you know, the, the problem is when people go out and play golf, the mindset is, Oh, I've got to play 18. I've got to record an actual score. I mean, th- like that's, that's the biggest problem with people when they get into golf. Like, it doesn't have to be 18 holes. And, and the problem with these people was it was probably only nine holes for them. They probably lived in the area. So for them to only take two hours and 45 minutes, that's not a big chunk of their day. You know, so to them, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, it only took us three hours to play. Well, yeah, but it only took you three hours to play nine holes.
1: Yeah, 3 hours of playing 9 holes and I, I can't imagine some of those people were having fun that's well, the other we, that's the well, other thing like what is it fun hitting out of the woods on every hole is it fun hitting a ball you know 90 degrees and barely advancing it uh, no
0: i don't so, i don't think so either the thing is like here's here's my mindset if you're just getting into the game and you want to enjoy yourself when you're out there so Why do you feel the need to tee it up all the way from those last set of tees? I mean, that that makes no sense whatsoever. Why is there this mindset in golf that the game needs to be hard? Like, in and of itself, the game is very difficult, right? It's very difficult to put club on ball and make it produce the flight or the outcome that you want. So why would you then, in turn, make it even more difficult by adding all these other Hard variables to it. Distance, elevation, all this. Like Just play from wherever. It doesn't matter. Exactly. And and also, if you're that person that kind of forces your friends into doing that, well, you're an idiot too. okay? Okay? If someone comes out with me and they're not very good, I don't feel the need to have to play 18 my way. Do you know what I mean? I will gladly... Defer to them, and oh, you want to play from the green tees today? Awesome. Well, it doesn't mean I need to hit driver. I can hit seven iron off every tee. It's irrelevant. Exactly. Right. And it, and
1: it, in the end, it's about going out, having a good time. Um, it. You know, if you want to go out and test yourself, that that's fine. Um, but don't bring people out there who aren't capable of of testing themselves on that course.
0: Right, and if you do. Don't feel like today is the day that you're going to break your career best. You know, like if you and I were going out and playing Pinehurst, yes, I would want to play it from applicable tees, right? Mm -hmm. But if you and I were going out with a a, a brand new golfer or a buddy of ours that wasn't very good, why do we feel like today needs to be the day that we have to grind and we have to play from, you know, 6,800 yards?
1: That so and. So I, I've talked about Mike, uh, my you know my buddy, sure, many times on on the podcast here. The the last time him and I played, we played a, a course. It was uh well I'll call it a resort course down in Westchester. Um, and uh, they're not getting any free advertising on this podcast because uh, they just don't deserve <laughs> it. Um, we we went through nine holes, and it was it was one of those courses where you play the same nine twice. The guys we were playing with were really cool, um, but Mike wasn't really feeling the game. I wasn't really feeling the course. And even though we had already paid, we're just like, you know what? We had our fun. You know, let's get out of here and let's go get some lunch. And that's what we did. And in all honesty, you know, there are people who, you know, if, you know, that if it wasn't, wasn't the best day, you know, that we still probably would have stuck out there and, stuck, and played the 18, but it wasn't fun at that point. So if it's not fun, just go away. Just walk off. It's okay. No one's, you know, the guys we were playing with understood, um, and we just did that, and we had a better time sitting around, hanging out, having some drinks, and eating some lunch than we would have if we forced ourselves to play nine more holes.
0: Yeah, I, I again, man, I, I'm completely on board with that. There, there's no reason sometimes to press so hard and grind so hard and stress yourself over stuff and granted if you're a good player there are definitely times for that there are reasons to do that but it does need to be all the time like go out and enjoy the game and and just don't slow people up simple as that um hey moving from people that don't make a living in golf which would be those people that were playing in front of us to people that do make a living in golf. We talked about some of those idioms before, Scott. I'm watching the BMW PGA this week. I actually got to watch some golf, which was pretty cool. Had a few days off from holidays. Uh, got some parent-teacher conferences tomorrow. So, you know, no rush, man. We got a lot of golf that we can watch. Announcer makes a statement. I hate this. Like, literally, I hate this. Talking about Colin Montgomery. Um, uh, not Colin Montgomery. Uh, Darren sorry. Darren Clark. Darren Clark. No, 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 no. That's uh, the championship. Oh. i get to that in a second. Um, uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Sorry. Oh. Talking about oh. Tyrrell Hatton and says, well, you know, growing up over there in the UK, he's accustomed to the rain. He must love playing in this weather. That's why he excels. Name one person that likes playing golf in the rain. Exactly. Exactly. Like, okay, I understand that maybe growing up in Texas, you get used to the wind, right? You you, you play with a, a lower ball flight, okay? Um, I understand growing up in, let's say, the Southwest, maybe you get used to playing more the ground game, bump and run and stuff because it's drier. Playing over in the UK, Scotland, and Ireland. It's a little bit different type of game. But there is nobody out there that plays golf professionally that is immune to the elements. They do it because they have to, but there's nobody that wakes up and sees it pissing down sideways and decides, damn, I can't wait to get out to the course today.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, (laughs) I I, I am sure that you know, Tyrrell Hatton wakes up in the morning when it's nice out and goes, ah, beautiful day out. As opposed to when it's raining, he's not waking up and going, oh, wow, beautiful day out.
0: Well, and, and the other, uh, yeah, well, first off, you're 100% right. And then the other thing is this. Most of these UK guys that the announcers speak about live in the U.S. And they live in Florida.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, there, for, there's a they, reason they all live in Florida
0: It's 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 my I I hate announcers that are so lazy that they just always kind of fall back to cliches. And that's one of the biggest ones that I hate because nobody likes playing in inclement weather. I mean, no one like Tom Watson was great at it, but he had like that Jack Nicholas mindset where, hey, I'm a mutter. I'm a grinder. I'm not I don't like playing in it, but it doesn't bother me because he had the mindset of, hey, everybody has to play in these same conditions. So if I'm not pissed off at it, if I'm not mad because it's raining, I'm automatically going to beat half the field.
1: Right, and that's the thing when you're when you're Tom Watson, if you can just deal with that, you're already better than pretty much everyone out there. Yep. So you just have to put it out of your mind that it annoys you and just go out there and be Tom Watson. Okay. So it, you know you already have the advantage. Just keep it.
0: But don't don't talk to, again, golf announcers, don't talk to us like we're idiots and lead us to believe that people enjoy playing in the rain. That's like saying, man, this guy's a great wind player. He loves playing 60-mile-an-hour winds.
1: Yeah, he can't wait for the next tropical storm to bring some wind because that, that's, you know, that's how he plays his best.
0: I mean, there's a reason why in the beginning of the year when they go from Hawaii to Florida, that guys don't play all those events because it's so windy, it actually changes their swing. And there's reasons why guys will play one or two events, but usually not back-to-back weeks unless they really need to and they're getting sponsors exemptions stuff. because playing in that wind is so detrimental to, to what you're trying to accomplish in your swing because you actually have to change it to play well. So no one likes those conditions. Um, Scott, I mentioned to you before, Darren Clark is just fat now. I've got yeah. no other. I got no other lead into that, buddy.
1: I mean, he was always a, obviously a bigger guy, but from what you're describing now, I, again, I didn't watch a whole lot of golf. Um, but from what you're describing, it seems like he's uh, he's taking the John Daly route.
0: Dude, t- Darren Clark looks like he ate John Daly.
1: Okay. I'm good. sitting
0: I'm, I'm I'm sitting in the podcast room watching a little golf waiting for the Shriners to come on and the S, the SAS championship the SAS championship comes on on the Champions Tour which which is mind blowing Scott like who's on the Champions Tour now it's just crazy it's like oh, it's, prime, crazy. it's like our youth golfers are all on the Champions Tour now which is insane but they they, they show this fat guy over a 3 foot putt my wife says what, what is this a, a pro am like who is that fat dude Turns around Darren Clark. Darren Clark looking like he ate Darren Clark. I don't know what happened. He wins the Open Championship and all of a sudden things go to hell.
1: Uh well it's almost ten years ago that he won the Open Championship. But
0: it looks like he ate Craig Stadler.
1: Um That's that's not good because Craig Stadler's a big guy.
0: Yeah, he's bigger so... than Craig Stadler now. I'm I'm telling you, Scott, I was blown away. I looked at him first glance, and I said, well, I don't know who that is. I looked at him again. And I said, oh, my gosh, it's, it's Darren Clark. It's uh, how the mighty have fallen. But then again, you got Colin Montgomery walking around out there looking like he needs a training bra, too, on the Champions Tour.
1: Uh, well, again, another guy who was always a bigger guy. Wow. I mean, you just said, like, the guys who were <laughs> on the Champions Tour now are guys from, like, when we first started getting really into golf um vj i was looking at the leaderboard uric
0: yeah i mean montgomery clark david toms Toms, yep vj it's insane
1: yeah wow mike weir
0: yeah dude it is it is unbelievable that every single person scott from like a top 25 when we got into golf is now on the Champions Tour. Ernie Elves. I mean, Ernie Elves, mm. who just won.
1: Dickie Pride.
0: Definitely one of the top five golf names of all time.
1: Oh, definitely. That's like that's like the villain in a golf movie's name, but it's really him.
0: <laughs> so, so true. It's so true. Uh, it's insane. Uh, but on the big tour, Martin Laird, uh, I mean... So there's horses for courses, right? You got, um, you got our boy, uh, the man of steel who, uh, mm-hmm. steel, who goes out and wins all the time out in California. right? He's got like three wins out there at the Wine Barrel Classic. Martin Laird literally owns Vegas. So all I watched was the playoff. Uh, I got an alert on my phone. I was watching some baseball at the time. I got an alert on my phone that it had gone to a playoff. So I flip it on because the last playoff I remember – is Jonathan Bird making a hole-in-one in the dark on the 17th hole, and he beat Martin Laird. Well, didn't pay any attention to what was going on in golf this week up until that point. And who's in the playoff? Martin Laird, uh, along with Cook and, um, and Wolfie. So yep, yep. The, the three of them go out, and um, they play the 18th hole. They all part. They get to the 17th hole. They play 18 and 17. And they all hit the green. Cook misses. Wolf misses. Martin Laird's got this uphill, big swinging putt breaks like eight feet right to left. And the announcer actually says, "Ah, eh, now would be a good time to hold it because we're running in the daylight." Martin Laird sinks it for his first victory in like a decade.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good solid playoff win over an up and coming Matthew Wolf. um This, uh, and I think you talked about it last time that. You know, Vegas is starting to bring out, you know, some of these guys who are are more locals who who kind of live in that area. Did we talk about this? I thought I yeah, I definitely we, thought you know, it in my head.
0: We we did a bit, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. Vegas is these early, I don't, however you want to classify them, early season technically, but also technically late in the season. Um, you know, with the wraparound schedule, these these used to be silly season events where. The Corn Ferry Tour guys got their first starts. Well, since no one came up from the Corn Ferry Tour last year, you're getting all these old heads, as well as some of the, you know, quote unquote up-and-comers, if you will, like Matt Wolf, who's already basically an established mm-hmm. star. But you've got this weird mix of guys out there, um, and I thought it was so interesting, I, and and it completely showed how different. Guys are in stages of their careers as well as swing types on the 18th hole. You had Martin Laird who hits this wipey fade to perfection. You have uh, Cook who has this, I mean, like monotone slow backswing that just hits a dead straight ball. They both hit driver. And then Wolf, being a beast, has Mm -hmm. to draw in this three wood. So you got guys at different stages of their career hitting the ball three different ways. Three different trajectories, yet they all get the job done. Which is even more proof to people that not everyone on the PJ Tour swings the same.
1: Yep. No, it's, there's no, like, stock swing. The, the The best swing is the one that works best for you.
0: That's it. Yep. Uh, it's cliche, but I mean, literally swing your swing. Here's some, some funny things that I saw at the Shriners. Now, the Shriners is weird. Obviously, it's a charity organization, but... You know, the Shriners dress up like, you know, those little uh, monkeys that play the accordions with the little felt hats. You know, exactly. that, that you, Sim- you hop, hop the, around or, like Indiana Jones or the know? symbols. The, yeah. The, the, the. Right. right. Like I, I literally picture them in in Egypt. Like literally there's a guy sitting there in a market in Egypt with a monkey. He's playing these little symbols. Uh, one of them, g- the guy's got an accordion, the monkey's dancing around his head, and they both got like these f- uh fezes on, right? These felt caps called Fez. So, this one guy, I, <laughs> I swear to god, they said he was the Grand Poobah. I might be making that up. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's actually a Shriners uh, designation of hierarchy or not, but I'm gonna go with it. They're tagging, they're-, they're dragging this guy along. It's gotta be 80 years old, has no idea what to do in the T box. Um, the rules official, oh gosh, his name escapes me off the top of my head right now, but is is uh, Mark McCumber is like moving him along, like off to the side, like okay, get out of the way, buddy, like you can't be there, and he's just there to shake hands, right? But but they've got to drag this guy to every playoff hole, so they're carting around and stuff. They rolled they rolled dice over in the beginning to pick what order they were going to play in. That's kind of clever.
1: That's cool because it's Vegas.
0: Yeah, eighteenth uh, hole. There's there's like dogs that are barking nonstop. So you know.
1: So DMX was there.
0: Right. There's there's probably like a trailer park off to the side. These dogs are barking nonstop. Um, Martin Laird can't bend over because of his knee surgery, so he kneels down to do everything. Like genuflex to put the tee in the ground to read putts. Um, Cook it, Cook tucks his glove into his belt. Like who who does that? Instead Did he of, also
1: have iron covers? He didn't, but okay.
0: he's reading putts. Like, I, I swear, Scott, on the first playoff hole, Lair is kneeling down there, like holding on to his putter because he can't bend over anymore. Mm. You got Cook reading his putt. His back pocket is right there, wide open. He can't stick the glove in it. His glove is tucked into his belt. Um, you know, Wolf is stalking the putt. It was just, it, it was like a, a crap show. It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> So they're toting this old grand poobah around every hole, right? And here's one of the things that annoyed me. They're they're shuttling everybody into cards because they play 18, then they go back to 17. Okay, now, so so mind you, they drive all the way out to the 18th green. Now they've got to backtrack all the way down 18 again and then back to 17th tee. It is getting dark, and, and... This event notoriously goes into playoffs. It goes into playoffs all the time. They always run out of daylight, or they get to the point where, you know, the guys on TV say, well, the camera's iris is open, so it's really not this light. You know, and guys complain all the time, like, yeah, I can't see my ball land or anything like that. If you're driving guys everywhere, why not let them hit and then just drive them out to their balls? Exactly. Let's save some time. I, I know... It's not part of golf, but we also make our tee times for these events around the television networks. They control everything, right? They control when we cut into games or when we cut out of things or when we go over to a streaming service or you know when we're going to finish a playoff and stuff like that. So if everything's based around the networks anyway, well, why can't we try to fight daylight even more? and then just ride these guys out to the greens and out to the fairways. I don't see the problem in it.
1: No, not at all. Uh, there's really no... Uh, there's no necessary... I, I get that there's not a, a... They don't let people use carts on the PGA Tour for whatever reason, but here's the thing. like, it, If it gets to the point where we're going to lose daylight and it's affecting play just stick the guys in carts and just go with it.
0: If everyone's in a cart, there's no competitive advantage. Exactly. Right? I mean, everyone's doing the same exact thing. So who cares? And you probably could have saved yourself an extra 10, 15 minutes, which if Martin Lair doesn't drop this 25 footer, well, we're going back to 18 again. So now instead of a one shot hole, like 17 is we're going back to 18. So We've got at least 15 to 20 more minutes that we've got to try to rush these guys through. And once the sun goes down behind the mountains out there, like it gets dark quick in the desert.:
1: Yes, and cold, surprisingly.
0: Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it, and then every year we will hear, well, we're fighting daylight here. Yeah, these guys got to kind of move along and play quick because yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah.
1: It's way darker here than it looks on TV because we have the camera lenses wide open.
0: Yeah, that's another one they always go to.
1: Yeah. So uh, just, I looked it up because I, I had to. So the uh, the rank of the top um Shriner is known as the Imperial uh Potentiate. It's a, uh, yeah. He's uh, one of the few people who has been named an honorary Texan.
0: <sighs> okay. What and now that's taken other... up real
1: estate in your head that you probably had more important things to remember. But what... sorry, it's too bad. What...
0: What, what are the other levels of the Shriners? And what are they aside from a charity organization?
1: They're a charity organization. Okay. So, there I shall read it. It's a fraternity based on fun, fellowship, and the Masonic principles of brotherly love, relief, and truth. With nearly 200 temples, chapters, in several countries, and thousands of clubs around the world, it is open to men of integrity from all walks of life.
0: Okay, so that basically tells you nothing. So they're Masons, which my buddy is, is a, a Mason as well, and everything is so secretive. The secret handshakes and secret this and that. But I feel like these org- someone's got to DM me on, on, on these organizations as to what exactly they are. I understand it's a charity organization, right? but but what is it? What do you do?
1: I think you just kind of... I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'll, maybe I'll join because you can apparently join right here at beashriner.com.
0: Hey. The internet tells me Darren Clark weighs 196 pounds.
1: No, he doesn't.
0: There's no way. There's no way.
1: Maybe in his, in his like, best shape, that's what he weighed. Um, but no, he doesn't.
0: 250 easily, if not 265. Look, I, I wrestled for a good portion of my life. So being able to determine people's weights at first glance, is a, is a little bit of a side talent that I have. And I will wager my house that Darren Clark does not weigh 196 pounds now.
1: Uh, I, too, will wager your house that he doesn't weigh 196 pounds.
0: That's, uh, that's insane. Now, here's another one that says Darren Clark weighs 215. Now we're, now we're getting there. Now we're starting to get there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's going to, the more you look, it's going to keep ticking up.
0: Yep. Yeah, he's he's like that stock market up and to the right for a good uh, a good bull market. That's what his weight's doing.
1: So would you like to hear some of the other ranks of Shriners? And I, I don't want to turn this into a, a Shriners slash weight loss podcast, but... No, they, I did. De- uh,
0: well, it's definitely a weight gain podcast. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. I do want to hear. It. What I've got to look it up. There's got to be something called the Grand Poobah. I don't know what where I heard that. I probably made it up. Um I maybe it's something out of the fl- you know what? Good Lord. The, that might be something out of the Flintstones. That's
1: out of the Flintstones. So Yeah. But these are just as good. I mean, we have the second in command, I believe, is the Imperial Chief Raban. Okay. It's, and then his, I guess, the next rank is the Imperial Assistant Raban.
0: Is that like the assistant regional manager, or assistant to the regional manager?
1: I think so. Um, I think so.
0: There's then a we'll, rapper called Grand Puba. That's great. I would like to have him and Tiger Hoods have a, a rap battle one day.
1: Um, He's so from have, New
0: Rochelle, New York. Grand. Puba. Oh, really?
1: <laughs> so, Maybe you can go uh, meet so- him southern westchester i mean you know i'm going to
0: maxwell dixon is his real mm-hmm.
1: name then we have the imperial high priest and prophet
0: this has this is devolved into nothingness.
1: <laughs> and then my personal favorite the imperial oriental guide
0: it, the imperial oriental guide
1: that that's correct
0: and is that from the shriners overseas in the far east
1: uh
0: i'm going to say
1: no based upon what this guy looks like
0: okay okay
1: Uh, my my guess he has never been to asia
0: that is fantastic uh honestly please somebody let us know what the shriners actually is and who they contribute to i'm sure it's a great organization that contributes to a bunch of different charities probably in and around the vegas area um so hats off to them it was a great tournament uh, with another good ending. I mean, how how can you not like a playoff ending, you know? That's
1: – in terms of what the PGA Tour needs to bring uh, people to the screen and get them to watch golf, a playoff ending is probably the best they can hope for if Tiger's not playing.
0: Very true. Very Especially
1: true. on a Sunday when most people's eyes are sort of glued to football.
0: Yeah, football and, and, and playoff basketball. And, and not only that, but you had – uh, game six of the NBA Finals. So I would love to see the numbers of this playoff. There's probably like eighteen people watching.
1: Uh, again, I I didn't watch. I was watching. I, well, we were doing some other things, and then I watched some football. Um, but you know, it it's getting to the point where I'm going to start watching golf again because you know what's almost exactly thirty days from when we are recording this podcast.
0: Well, that would be the Masters, Montecatto. Oh,
1: exactly. So
0: I I noticed you said you were watching football. So I'm guessing you didn't watch the jets. Uh, I watched the
1: jets for a little bit and then I decided to watch other, other actual football teams.
0: There you go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what else we got for the people? Scott, was that it?
1: I think that might be it for now.
0: It's beautiful, my man. It's a beautiful thing. Well, listen, get out there, support the Shriners, um, support our boy, Tiger hoods, uh, Support Grant over at Eagles and Arrows. He's building another hole, Scott, in his backyard. Uh, You know, David McClay kid.
1: I wish that I I had first of all the talent to do anything like that in my backyard, Um, but I wish that I had the wherewithal to do it. Um, Because personally, like I'll stick a flag out there and hit some golf balls to it and call that a, a target green, but it's really not.
0: I'm, I'm very interested in seeing the finished product. He's doing a whole putting green. I'm very interested in going out there. He's going to be holding an Eagles and Arrows event next year. Um, I have a feeling we'll have two tickets with our names on it.
1: Uh, you know what? That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Because, again, golf doesn't need to be you know this huge, you know, we're out on this 7,200-yard golf course and we're going to play it from the tips. It can be, you know what, my buddy's got a couple holes in his backyard. Let's go play.
0: Yeah, that's pretty sick. I like the sound of that. All right, and on that note, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Be good, everyone. The game of golf is more than a sport. It's a lifestyle. Blue skies, bright sun, the walk, good friends, and the shots that keep you coming back. That is golf. Iconic, vintage, classic. Eagles and hours didn't create the look. They've only perfected it. Eagles and Arrows provides the classic American golf look with a modern spin. Hats, gloves, club head covers, and my favorite, the vintage American carry bag, are some of the amazing items you can find at EaglesandArrows.com. Follow them on Instagram at EaglesandArrowsCo. It's Eagles and Arrows Company Co on Instagram. Love golf, live life. Eagles and Arrows. Thank <laughs> you.